Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, as we begin today talking about Thanksgiving and the importance of that um, in our lives, I wanted to tell you a, a, a golf story since the season's about to wrap up. But one of my sons, and I can't tell you who he is, it'll cost me $5, but um, he, was, he was golfing a couple of years ago, and, and he hit it in, into the rough, as he seldom does, and uh, that too is a joke, by the way, and um, so he walked in to find the ball and stepped on a wasp nest. Yeah, and so, you know, multiple bites, terrible reaction, itchy, red, pain, the whole bit. But he finished the game because it was only about the third or fourth hole, you know. And from what I'm told, he played his best. Um, But he finished for two reasons. First of all, he loves golf. But second of all, he's cheap. (laughs) So I'm going to pay for a game and play three or four holes and leave. So uh, at any rate, to quote him, long story short, uh, he ended up, we, we tried, you know, some different things that we had, but we ended up taking him to emergency to get the antidote to deal with the reaction to finally get this thing under control. The answer to the poison of the wasp was in the antidote. It was in the antidote. You know, life can put a poison in us. We can go through things. We can have situations, circumstances, conflict with people, whatever it may be, and they can poison our thinking, can poison our attitude of heart. It can actually poison relationships, even our relationship with Jesus. So many things that can creep into our lives, into our hearts, into our minds, and just like getting bit and 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 then or stung and having a reaction we can be living in the reaction of things that have impacted us. But there's an antidote called thanksgiving. And as I was thinking about today's service and thinking about this subject and stuff, it amazed me how that it doesn't matter even how old you are, but the importance of thanksgiving is just always remains. And, you know, we, we live in a culture where once a year we take a weekend like this to highlight a word that is so important to us, thanksgiving. And, and yet, you know what? As, as old as you may be, you can still, and I find myself still needing from time to time, stop and go, you know what? Just be thankful. You know, don't allow a negative attitude. Don't, don't go there. And, and you would think it's like, come on, this is obvious and easy. We should be able to get over this. You know what I'm saying? We shouldn't need this annual reminder or whatever, but we do, but we do. And so my hope and prayer for you is that maybe God would use this here today uh, to help shore that up because it's so important in our lives. Thanksgiving is the antidote to complaining. Thanksgiving is the antidote to complaining. I heard a story about a guy who, you know, he really wanted to grow in his relationship with God. So he thought, I know, I just need to go and join a monastery for a while. And so he signs up for this monastery, but the particular one he gets involved with, uh, they had a rule of no talking. You're not allowed to talk. But at the end of the year, you could come before the the head monk, if you will, and um, you could say two words. So his first year goes through and he comes up before the monk. He says, okay, you can say two words. What do you have to say? He says, bed hard. 
Okay, goes on with his next year. The end of the next year, he comes before the head, head monk, says, what do you have to say? He says, food bad. Goes on for another year, comes back on the end of that year, says, what do you have to say? Two words. He says, I quit. And they said, no wonder all you've done is complain since you got here. <laughs> do you know what complaining really is? Here's how I would define it, and that is this. Complaining is how we curse our blessing. That's what complaining is. Complaining is how you curse your blessing. Just think about it. What you complain about are the very things in your life that God has blessed you with. Your complaining, and my complaining, is simply cursing the blessing so that instead of just seeing the blessing for what it is and, 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 being, you know, and enjoying it, instead, what do we do? We'll focus on, well, here's a problem. Or we'll focus on, well, it's great, but this is what's missing. We'll focus on, but this is what's irritating me about it. Or we'll focus on, you know, maybe you think, well, what could be better in my opinion about it? And we'll focus on that. We'll find this little thing that we'll focus on. We'll turn it into our complaint. And when we do that, we're actually cursing our blessing. The problem is that when you make those little things your focus through complaining, they become how you see the whole. They don't represent the whole. They're just a little bit of the, of the bigger part. But when you focus on that little bit, that little irritation, that little negativity, that little problem, and make your focus all about that through complaining, that becomes how you see the whole, even though it's, it's not uh, properly represented. It's actually just a small portion of the whole that's bugging you that you're complaining. But in your complaining, you're cursing the blessing, and you can't even see and enjoy the whole of what it is because of that one little thing. The complaint becomes how you see the whole, though it doesn't represent but just a small portion of what it is. And it can happen in so many different dynamics of life. Do you know it can even happen in your marriage? And you can find that little irritation and you can focus on it. Oh, she's always leaving her dental floss on the, on the floor. It's on the carpet. Then she gets those dental picks, you know, the little sharp end, and just drops them all over the place. And I stub my toe on them. And the vacuum gets clogged up with dental picks and dental floss. And I find dental floss on my socks and on the car. And you just start to go nuts about this one little thing. And then start to say to yourself, we have a terrible marriage because of dental floss. Well, that's ridiculous. Or you can be the other way where it's like, he always leaves his dirty clothes everywhere. The basket is here and his dirty clothes are three feet away. Don't raise your hands for a confession. And you get so irritated by his dirty clothes. Why do you always leave them on the floor? This house is a mess. This whole house is a mess because you leave a few dirty clothes in the bedroom. I have a terrible marriage because of this. And we're just complaining about one little thing, but it's stealing our joy, stealing your happiness, stealing your enjoyment of each other's company. You look at each other and all you see is that one little problem. Listen, here's what the scripture says about love. Love bears all things. Love puts up with it. That's just a great way to say it. You just put up with it. And instead of complaining about that one little thing and cursing your blessing called your marriage, why don't you just find the things to celebrate? 
Why don't you just, when you're tempted to complain, just start talking about what is so good and what is so wonderful and what is working so well in Jesus' name. And what if you got intentional about speaking about what you were thankful for when you're tempted to complain about what irritates you? How might that impact your attitude and the atmosphere of your home? You know, the Bible says that children are a blessing from the Lord. But how many know they can give you lots of reason to complain? <laughs> you just hear the moaning going through here. It's just, we love the children. It's just everything they do and say that bothers us. But, <gasps> and the volume at which it's done. But here's the point. They're a blessing from God. Yeah. Don't curse your blessing. Don't curse your blessing. You know, it's not just in relationships, but other areas of life. Your job is a blessing. It is. But, you know, you, you, you can find that one little thing. Your, your job is a blessing. You get to use your skills. You get to be with people. You get to be with equipment and things that, you're, that interest you, maybe technology, machines, whatever it is. And it, and it obviously is paying the bills and all those good things. But, but you can get up on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, and all you can think about is that one thing about your job that absolutely irritates you. And if you do, it'll steal your joy. You won't be able to enjoy the thing that is in your life. Listen, you're spending, what, 40 hours a week, maybe more, uh, uh, on this job. Why lose your joy over all that amount of time in the week because you're complaining about one irritation instead of just being thankful for the blessing that God has placed into your life? It can happen with possessions, cars, home, all of those things. The things in life that are meant to bless you become cursed when you complain. You know, it's amazing, though. What still stands out to me is how big of a blessing we can have in our lives and how such a small complaint just seems to cover it all, if you will, and turn that, turn that what is meant to be a blessing into like a bigger problem than it really is. You can do it with church. You can focus on that one thing that you wish was different or that one thing that you wish would change and your complaining is actually cursing God's provision for a blessing in your life. It is. You know, this church has been around for over 30 years. This is our third building. But since August of 2013, which is when we started doing services in this, in this facility, we have baptized 856 people in that amount of time. 856 lives have been touched and changed by Jesus and testified of that through water baptism. And many of those are, you know, family or friends or acquaintances of people who were already attending. This place has provided a house of worship a place to grow in the knowledge of God, a place to experience the Holy Spirit, a place of friendships where they can grow, even friendships that have turned into marriage partners being found. Oh, you think you'd get an amen on that, wouldn't you? Any rate, moving right along. Just to remind you, that was a blessing, by the way, just moving right along. Okay, providing spiritual growth for people's children and grandchildren, providing comfort, hope, miracles, prayer, healing, and so much more that happens in the house of God. Yet, if you allow it, you can turn your complaint into your offense and curse the very thing that God wants to use to bless you and others. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, no matter what happens, always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. You can always find things to be thankful for. Philippians chapter two and verse 14, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverted people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. How many of you know something? Your lives are meant to shine Jesus brightly before them, but if you get into complaining, you just put a dimmer switch on that light. Thanksgiving is the antidote for complaining. Thanksgiving is the antidote for discontentment. Discontentment. What a paradox it is that we live in one of the most prosperous and peaceful, obviously peaceful, nations of the world, and yet we can act so discontent and so ungrateful at the same time. Our problem is that we think that contentment is found in a thing, but it's actually found in a condition. I'm going to explain that to you. You see, because we think it's a thing, then what we do is we just keep pursuing another thing to get contentment in our life. I need another thing. I need it to be bigger. I need it to be better. I need it to be newer. I need it to be faster. I need it to be the right color. Uh, maybe that thing might be, you know, a place that you want to go. Well, I went here, but I'd sooner go there. I've never visited here. Maybe, you know, maybe that's the thing. Maybe the thing is a relationship. Well, once I get a, once I get a girlfriend, once I get a boyfriend, once I get married, and then you're married, and then the devil starts telling you, you know, once you get a different spouse, Come on, how many know that's the language of the devil right there? Come on. Being thankful, though, is what stops the appeal of things from making you discontentment. And I'm telling you right now, the appeal of things can be such a lie in your life. And you say, how do you know that? Because if you've ever set your heart on a thing, once you got that thing, you realize it was a matter of time and you start thinking about something else. In a matter of time, you start realizing this really wasn't it. Uh, I missed it. There must be something else. No, you're going for the wrong solution to your problem. Being thankful is what stops the myth that things are the answer to having a sense of contentment about your life. And most people's lives go from year to year, constantly seeking something else to keep them happy. Another toy, more stuff, the latest model or the latest release. Maybe, maybe it's another destination vacation. Listen, enjoy your life, but don't let the devil lie to you about the next thing. The next house, the next car, the next job, the next trip. And like I said, even the next spouse. It's like we train ourselves to be discontent, expecting that there's another thing that if we just have that, we will have arrived. Now, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse five says this, keep your lives free from the love of money. Let me put it to you a different way. Take the word money out of there and put anything that money can buy in its place. Keep your lives free free from the love of that thing and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. You know, at first reading of that verse, maybe you thought this, and I know I have, I thought, it seems like two different topics. 
You know, he's talking about contentment, don't have the love of my, okay, that's great. Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. And it's like, this, this seems a little disconnected, but it's not. Contentment has been described as wanting what you've got. And that does deal with the material world and in part is true. However, genuine contentment, contentment is found in a condition, not a thing. And specifically, it's found in a condition of being right with God. Genuine contentment is found in a relationship with Jesus where your heart is given to him. It's not after the next thing that you can try and get. Your heart is really given to him and he enters your life. And the scripture says he fills your heart with a peace and a contentment that where you just understand there is not something else that I'm gonna add to my life that is gonna make me more fulfilled or content than I am in Jesus right now. And most of the problem of what's going on in our world right now is people are looking for the next thing that they think is gonna fulfill them, the next thing that's gonna make them happy, the next thing that's gonna make them joyful. It's not in a thing. It's in him. It's allowing him to come into your life. This is the one thing in life that will not only fulfill you, but as the scripture says, he will never leave you. Well, not only does he never leave you, he never leaves you wanting. That's what it says in Psalms, the 23rd Psalm. Notice he says, I'll never leave you. Listen, the answer to your anxiety is found in his presence. The answer to your stress is found in his presence. The answer to your wanting is the one who can cause you to want for nothing. That's what Psalms 23 says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, what? Want. In other words, Jesus has come into my life. I stopped looking for some answer because I already got it. I stopped thinking that some, something in this material world is gonna, listen, fulfill a spiritual need. And this is where our misunderstanding lies, is we think contentment is about a material thing, something that we can see, feel, touch, and hear. It's not. Our discontentment is rooted in our spiritual condition called a separation from God. Yeah. And absolute contentment is found when that separation is dealt with through accepting Jesus Christ into your life and you stop looking for a material thing to do what only Christ can do. Your need is spiritual. It will not be satisfied by a material thing. Then he promises, I'll never leave you. You know, I promise you one thing. Your stuff will leave you. It'll rot. You know, it won't matter how much stuff you get in life. All of it will eventually rot or eventually leave you or you'll leave it and it'll go to somebody else. There's no U-Hauls at funerals. I can tell you that right now. I did one yesterday. There was no U-Haul there. There's never been one. How do we develop then this kind of contentment? Well, Philippians chapter two and verse 12 says this. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of contentment in every situation whether it's a full stomach or hunger or plenty or want. Paul said he learned the secret of contentment. Well, he didn't really keep it a secret because he talks about it over in the, over in the scriptures about being what? Thankful in all things, being grateful, turning his attention to God and saying, God, I thank you that you're with me, whether I have plenty or whether I don't. It's not much of a secret because it's in the Bible for us already. Being grateful is Paul's secret. Thankfulness 
is the antidote to discontentment in your life. And whenever I notice myself becoming a little bit irritated, a little bit discontent, a little bit of complaining coming out of my mouth, I realize I've stopped being thankful. I catch myself and I realize, you know what? I'm complaining about this little thing and I have so much more to be thankful for and stop it right there and practice thanksgiving. Thankfulness is the antidote for comparison. It's the antidote for comparison. You know, comparison often looks like this. Admiring the abilities of others at the expense of not celebrating what God has put in you. It's often what it looks like. We look at what others are doing, what they're able to do, or maybe even things that they have. And then we, we look at the accomplishments of others. We look at their skills. We look at their talents. We, we look at, uh, uh, you know, what we see in our friends. And yet, then we look at ourselves. Well, there they are. And here's me. And we begin to compare. We begin to make judgments on these things. And Typically what happens is we downplay our strengths and our abilities and we magnify our weaknesses and our faults. And the reason we do that is because we compare what's maybe weaker or not as strong in us to, a, to the strength that is in somebody else. That's an unfair comparison. We're not all the same. That's just life. Comparison in this way can take us to a place of negativity and self-criticism. Be thankful for how God made you and who you are. Start recognizing the good things that God has put in you and celebrate that. Do I have to read that last bit over again? I didn't get enough reaction and response. I'm gonna do it. Be thankful for how God made you and who you are. Come on. Listen, listen. Other people are thankful for you. You can be thankful for you. It really is true, isn't it? Other people are thankful for you. Start celebrating. Start recognizing the good things that God has put in you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are his workmanship, all of us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are his workmanship. Listen, you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. God has made you with purpose. He's put gifts. He's put personality. He's put skills. He's put passion. He's put wisdom. He's put desire. All of that inside of you. Start being thankful for who God made you to be. Start thanking God that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Thank God that you are gifted, that you have abilities, and that you can fulfill the purposes of God in your life. You're only called to one purpose, and that is the purpose he put on you. You're not called to your buddy's purpose. You're not called to their vision. You're not. You're called to what God put on you. So thank God that you be you, come on, and that you have got a good thing that God wants you to do. Start praying some powerful and somewhat dangerous prayers. So what do they look like? It's a real simple one. It goes like this. God, would you use me? And here's the deal. He's going to answer it. Yeah, he's going to answer it. So why'd you call it dangerous? Because you might have a little bit of selfishness that's going to get challenged when he starts using you. 
Because you might have a picture in your mind of how God's supposed to use you, and all of a sudden some doors open, some opportunity has happened, some conversation, some relationship, and God's saying, I want to use you in this situation. I want you to be a voice to this person. I want you to help that situation. I want you to be a part of what's going on in that family. And you find yourself being used by God in perhaps a way that wasn't necessarily on your mind over and above all that you could ask or think. Colossians 2.7 says, let your lives overflow with thanksgiving. Listen, for all he has done. How many know the creation of you is part of the all that God has done? It includes you. Thankfulness keeps our attention on the good things that God has put in your life and uh, what he is doing in your life, it accentuates the God things and the good things. It opens our eyes up to what's happening. And sometimes, sometimes comparison can actually have another negative side to it where it can actually just bring out envy and jealousy in our lives. This is why we need Thanksgiving to be the antidote to comparison. There's a story in the Bible of a son who leaves home with, his portion of the inheritance that was given to him by his father at the son's request. And this son spends it, he wastes it, and he returns to home and the father celebrates his return. He's like, oh, thank goodness, you're back. And the older brother has quite a different response. Luke chapter 15, 28 says this, the older brother was angry. He wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have. His father said to him, look, dear son, you and I are very close and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Comparison created family strife. Comparison made room in his life for jealousy, envy, and bitterness. All he could see are the sacrifices that he felt that he was making to keep his father happy, yet he couldn't see the blessing of his brother being restored to the family or even what was available to him personally all through those years. The older brother wasn't thankful for what was happening with the younger brother. The scripture talks about rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, that's part of thanksgiving, being thankful for what God is doing in somebody else's world. This older brother failed to be thankful for what he had in his life and instead became jealous of the younger brother who had just wasted his inheritance, so now he's broke. He's messed up his life. His younger brother's just made a mess of his life. The older brother, though, sits in bitterness and jealousy as to how the father is treating him with grace. That's messed up. That is messed up. And here's actually the purpose of this story. The real purpose is simply this, to tell you and I that no matter how much we've messed up, no matter how far we've gone, no matter how much of a, of a train wreck we've made of everything good that God has put in our life, we are always welcome to come back home. 
We are always celebrated to come back home. You are never too far from God to where his door is not open to you. You have never messed up. You've never gone astray. You might say, oh, I made a commitment to Jesus many years ago, but I know I've gone off track. I know I haven't followed through. I know I've done a bunch of stuff I regret. I want you to know something. The door is open. The Father celebrates you. You are welcome to return in relationship with God, and he will pick you up where you're at and begin to work with you starting now. Thanksgiving is the antidote to the poison of negativity, criticism, jealousy, and envy that can infect our lives when we get into comparison to others. Thanksgiving is the antidote for unbelief. The antidote for unbelief. Now, when you hear that statement, you might think, yeah, unbelief, I don't have that problem. That's why I'm here in church. I'm a believer. So I don't, I don't have to worry about that. That might be your first thought. But though you can hear that word unbelief and think, oh yeah, I probably don't have that problem. Here's the deal. Unbelief actually shows up in your life in different ways. And we would put it under different words. Here's what unbelief looks like. Fear, worry, anxiety, dread, discouragement, just to name a few. Thanksgiving towards God, however, inspires our faith so that we remember his promises, we remember what God has done in our past, and it sets our faith for what he'll do in the future and in the present so that we don't stay in a place of fear and worry and anxiety, but instead we're in a place of confidence thanking God. God, I thank you for what you've done in my past. I thank you for the promises that I have right now for what you're going to do to deal with my life right now. I don't have to live in worry, fear, dread, and all that. Instead, I get to have peace. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Can we say that together? Thank him for all that he has done. Now, look at the results of thanksgiving. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace. You see, when you put your attention on thanking God for all that he has done and recognizing that he is an active God, he's a risen savior, his hand is on your life, he answers prayer, he's orchestrating circumstance, he's working with you, he's bringing the right people into your, uh, into your circle of relationships, he's opening doors for you, he's bringing about miracles for you. When you are thanking God for all the things that he has done, it sets you at peace and a place of faith towards your future and what he will do. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Remember what he has done, and it'll inspire you for what he will do. Recall who God is. Recall his ability. Remind yourself of his real place in your life. Hey, he's the one who said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So if you're feeling like God has kind of gone absent, how many know something? That's, a, that's just the, the devil messing with your mind, but that is not the condition of God. He is an ever-present God. He's not the product of your imagination. You're the product of his imagination. Thanksgiving is all about thanking God for all that he has done and all that he has provided in life. 
thanking God for all that he has done is actually the history of this particular holiday. It goes back to early settlers who landed and thank God for safe arrival and thank God for annual harvest. It's about gratitude. It's about honor. It's about living with an appreciation of heart. It's about recognizing that every good thing comes from the Father above. It's about recognizing blessings come from heaven. They're not, we're not just, you know, kind of doing our own thing here. We got it all figured out. John 1.3 says, all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Thanksgiving is the antidote to unbelief, reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. You are his creation. You are created with purpose, and you are not alone. God loves you, and he has reached out to you through the coming of Jesus into the world. You are not without hope. Through the death and resurrection of Christ, God has provided us with a solution to our brokenness. We receive his forgiveness and his healing and his restoration and his help. It's all found in Jesus. Like I said, our problem is we live in brokenness and then we're looking for a thing to solve our condition. But the only way that our brokenness is really healed and really taken care of is through a condition called a relationship with Jesus Christ. And until we open our heart up to that, until we pursue that, until we make that our pursuit, we continue to struggle in our brokenness. And then we continue to think something that's completely wrong, that is looking for something to happen in life, something that we need to pursue. And if we get that thing, somehow it's gonna solve that. And yet we can get it and the brokenness still remains. The answer to our brokenness is found in Christ. The answer to our brokenness is found in the cross where the Son of God's body was broken for you and I that we could be made whole. I want to invite you to stand as we take a moment of prayer before receiving communion today. I want to take a moment to pray with you because I believe there's people in the room that can identify with feeling separated from God. And the reason is, is because you know that you basically haven't been living for him. You may have prayed a prayer at some time, and that's great, but if you're not living it, you're not walking it out, it was just words. But it can be words of sincerity, and it can be words of truth spoken in prayer right now to really set you in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're that person who recognizes the brokenness in your own life, and you've been wondering, what is that thing? What is that thing? And you found out today, it isn't a thing. It's getting your life positioned in relationship with Jesus Christ that is the answer to our brokenness. But until that happens, we just continue to struggle. I want to invite us to bow our heads as we take this moment of prayer. And I just want to ask if, if you're one of those ones that's here that's saying, you know what, Pastor, I need to pray this prayer with you. I need to invite Jesus into my life. I need to change the circumstance of my life to one that is connected in relationship with the Heavenly Father. If that's you, could you just raise your hand and give me a wave right now? Say, I'm gonna join you in this prayer right where I'm standing. I need Jesus. 
Let's pray with those who are praying here this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me so much that you gave your life for me. I ask you to forgive my past. I invite you into my life, confessing you as my Savior and the Lord of my life. And I'll follow you with all of my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.